The Canadian Improv Games is turning 40. For 40 years, it has impacted high school students' lives and continues to shape intelligent, unique, and passionate youth. But what happens when you graduate? How does the CIG impact the lives of alumni, of volunteers? This podcast is part of the Canadian Improv Games Roundup Tour and is designed to dive into the lives of alumni who have stayed in contact with the Canadian Improv Games. On our last night in Halifax, Michelle and I headed over to the home of co-regional directors Owen and Stephanie Stanford. We met their dog Hector and their son Max while Owen boiled water for tea. We sat on the floor surrounded by children's books and toys and recorded this podcast. Oh, also, if you hear a baby crying, that's just Max. He wasn't too happy that he had to go to bed and couldn't be a part of this recording. Well, hello, welcome everyone oh to the <laughs> Canadian Improv Games Roundup Tour, Alumni Roundup Tour podcast, Halifax edition. We're in Nova Scotia. Coast. Um, as usual, it's your boy, Spencer. And your main girl, Mish. And with us today, we have... Owen Stanford. I've been with, uh, in around the Canadian Improv Games for 15 plus years. And what do you do now? Uh, I'm one half of the regional directing team here in uh, Nova Scotia. Amazing. My name is Haley Guest, and I have been with the Canadian Pro Games in various capacities for 12 years, I think, which sounds weirder to say than to think. And I'm currently a coach of a local high school, Citadel. Uh, my name's Henry Gillis. I've been with the games for five or six years. Uh, volunteered for most of them, uh, and I've been doing so here at the Nova Scotia tournament. Um, I'm Stephanie Stanford, and I'm 10 or 11 years with the game, depending on how years work, and <laughs> which I think is the same every year, but you never know. Leap years are weird. Um, and I'm uh, a regional director here in Nova Scotia. Uh, I'm Liam Fair. I've been with the games for, I think, eight years now. Uh, I am a volunteer here. I uh, also sometimes go up to New Brunswick and help out there. Cool. Um, well, this is our first question. It's always a question we open with, which is, what made you want to get into improv? What made you see improv and go like, that is for me. That is exactly what I want to do. What about it uh, attracted you? What attracted you to improv in the first place? Uh, Chris Ramlin. I'll jump in there and just and say drop that. a name off the top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> When I started high school, I was uh, I went to high school in Ontario, so it's a little different than Nova Scotia. Our high schools run uh, grade nine through twelve, um, but that year in grade nine uh, was the last year of OAC, which was a grade thirteen equivalent. So that year was a double cohort year. Everybody's graduating, um, and Chris Ramlin was one of those old guys, and I was like, oh, he's adorable. And, oh boy, you should have seen the crew cut back then. Uh, and I just wanted to hang out with him and the other members of that team. Uh, and they stacked that year's team with all graduating players because it was sort of their last hurrah. Right. And I was the one junior member that just puppy dog followed them to everything. <laughs> and then when they all left, obviously, you were like the best one. Uh, I, was, I was one. <laughs> I'll just take the one part. Right. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh well, for me it was uh, it was pretty weird. We didn't have a team before uh, my team, and it was just a group of friends. But we, 
as you know you see in life like we improvise naturally anyways and we just kind of made a team but i think like what kind of got us uh just like we we fell in love with it i think it was probably after the first exhibition round where all the other teams were like oh who are these new guys and they were like ah you know crap we're the new guys we got to put up with it but then everyone was like oh great and we made so many friends that night that i, I like i still talk to and that you know that night we were like, oh, this is a cool organization for everyone. Like everyone is friends here. We can we can just be ourselves, make jokes, have fun, and uh, and hopefully you know uh, continue to do this and go to Ottawa, which we did in our first year, which was really funny. That was your grade twelve year. Uh, that was our grade eleven year. We were all grade elevens. We were all just like really close friends. Um, we made a team, yeah, and then it, we just uh, fluked it to nationals our first year and. Then we won in our second year. That was less fluke. Presumably you <laughs> also, uh, like when you went to nationals, like took workshops and were like, oh, this is like how we can kind of hone. Oh, yeah. Like I remember the the, the first time we went to nationals was uh, like, because in our first year, we had no training. We were just literally like, ha, 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 this is fun. And we were like, you know, like puppy dogs, right? But uh, fun puppies. <laughs> and uh, and then we went to nationals, and then we were like, you know, like snow dog puppies, you know, like we were more trained. We had kind of uh, no, <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, our first time at nationals was there. Like looking back at it, I actually had a, a, a workshop, uh, old school games with Megs Fitzgerald was like my first workshop at nationals, and I was really nervous, and because I did like sports, uh, and they weren't like workshops, they were like training camps that you went and then you had to like be the biggest and toughest or and then you went home you know but this it was like oh i don't know like you won't be friends it might not be cool but uh the games were hilarious i remember doing half-life for the first time uh and, and through those games actually just like even though i went to take the like the most fun thing the most like chill thing uh i still ended up being like oh wow there is like regimented, you know, like, rules to it and all that, uh, there's certainly, uh, training here and infrastructure that I had no idea about, which was really cool. Cool. For those listening at home that may not know what Half-Life is, what's Half-Life? Uh, it was, uh, or it is, it didn't, uh, cease to exist, uh, it is a game, uh, where for, uh, us, we had four minutes, so you do a scene and say four minutes, and then after the scene is done, you do that scene in two minutes, half the time. I know. Stay with me here. <laughs> and after that, there is one scene. Believe it or not, it is one minute long. Hold on. What happens next, you ask? <laughs> A 30-second scene. <laughs> cool. Anybody else? Henry, you didn't start here. No. Uh, no I, I, uh, I, my first time I ever did CIG was in the, in the Saskatchewan tournament. Uh, but that was like the like, like grade 12 year. Because um, uh, I had done improv through other like groups, various groups. Uh, someone came and talked to my like like church improv. Uh, there was an improv group that my church had, uh, which was ridiculous. Ridiculously and, fun, or just like oh yeah, yeah. You, when you hang out in the Holy Trinity basement and you make silly scenes about which Scooby Doo mystery you're gonna do tonight, you know, <laughs> like it's it's a real good time. Uh, but that was like in like grade seven, and then and then you slowly just sort of like I craved it. I didn't really have it in high school very much. I didn't do much or drama or anything like that. And then I, I went to like a theater school, uh, the Globe Theater, uh, and they they had improv stuff there. Uh, and then I thought, oh, I I kind of want to bring this to my school. And so I I messaged 
the RD and was like, I want my school to do this. And he's like, great, this is what you need. And then we just, we, for one year, I got to be, uh, play the CIG stuff. And Who was your RD? I uh, was Jaden. Jaden Pfeiffer. Oh, wow. was like the Jayden Pfeiffer. Great um, guy. So, Obviously, like, that had enough of an, even just one year had enough of an impact on you for you to come then move when you moved to Halifax. You moved to Halifax, like, the next year. The next year. Yeah, yeah. So that was enough for you to be like, oh, great, this is a lifelong thing. Well, it was the immediate community that I had here as well. Like, as soon as, like, I wore an improv shirt to my first university class. You would have no friends. I had zero friends, then I had (laughs) 20. Like, it was, that was the best. So you felt a community here, and you were like, I have to do it again. I have to keep going. Yeah. They were so inviting, uh, and then they just took you in, and they let you volunteer and, and then have a great time <laughs> hanging out because right. like that's all I, I had nothing else to do I was like a person in a new city and was like what do I do here and then someone's like come hang out with us and I'm like yep great I'm having this amazing flashback to like the moment I met you outside a coffee shop at our first volunteer meeting. I would say the first time that I met you, you were wearing a vote for Pedro, sh- a vote from F- Mike Farty shirt, and had a headband and really long hair and like bright green jeans. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that there was a community that was like, "This dude is cool," <laughs> is is amazing. I don't I know if the community thought he was cool, but he had like. The commitment to who he was. Yes, right. so confident in the things he was wearing. Yeah. Was like, yes. it's cool. Which I think is like maybe... a Which gra- makes it cool. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a real grain in improv of like, ah, uh, this community, like, doesn't it doesn't matter what is going on with you, we're good. Yeah. Mm. It's, it celebrates like the life you bring to it. Right. You know, like mm. it's, you can bring whatever facet of yourself to this and people want to, are immediately interested in, in, what, in right. what you're like, ah, oh, I want to know more about this. Like, right. I'm curious, tell me more, show me yourself more. Right. Which I think is the best part of like that you just get to know people in a, in a very upfront and honest way very quickly, and then it's just a better interaction. Steph, how'd you start? Um, I feel like Henry and I had a similar start in the way of it was all about Haley Guest, and it just she was doing it, and I was like, I want to do that cool thing too. Um, I had done improv in like camps and things like that, and I always enjoyed it, but it wasn't kind of until like, oh, a bunch of my friends are doing this thing. How did I not know that this thing? was a thing last year. So I was kind of really excited and got involved that way. And then you liked it so much you went to improv camp, right? I did, yeah. That was my gift to me for (laughs) completing (laughs) high school. (laughs) I did it! I'm going to camp! Yeah, that's a great Um, gift. Yeah, yeah, I got to fly first class because that was the only way they would take, like I gave my mom and dad money and they booked my flights with points. Mm And the only way that they would take the points and like in the days that I could fly was I had to fly first class. So that must have been like, I'm living the lap of luxury. So I got to fly first class. It was my first trip alone, fully like, this is me. I'm in control of my destiny for the next week. Right. So I got to fly first class and just happens the way that like the flight timings work out mine and I think four or five other peoples were going to be delayed. Mm -hmm. So they were later than everyone else's. So we were going to miss the bus going to improv camp. No. And so they had booked us another vehicle to get us there. And mine arrived on time and everyone else's arrived early. So everyone got on the bus, but me. (laughs) And me and Alistair Cook rode to improv camp in a stretch Hummer limo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> After you just ridden first class? I just rode first class. Perfect. You must have just been like, 
this whole place stops for me. I was, it was a really... The laugh of love. Yeah, it was intense. And um, a really interesting first experience with Alistair Cook as like a 17-year-old person is like a 45-minute drive alone <laughs> and with him. For those of you listening that haven't been keeping up with this podcast, go listen to the other ones we talk about Alistair. But he's the regional director of uh, Lower Mainland, and he's the founding member, yeah. the founder of Improv Camp and the artistic director. Such an amazing human and... We still joke about how incredibly awkward of a time that was for both of us, but how much we laugh about it now because we're both on the level of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Haley, you seem to be the inspiration for a couple people in Everyone's stories. here because of me. Yes. <laughs> not, not true. Um, yeah. So how did you get in? And what made you stay? So that's actually re- an interesting question because I, my intro to improv was similar. Henry was just talking about, like, that CIG brings you in and keeps you here because it recognizes your strengths and brings you in if you're special or, or that everyone is special and recognizes what is special about you. And when I tried out in grade 10, I was really excited to try out for this fun, kooky thing. I loved being crazy characters and I loved playing with people, but I, I made the team and you know, you, you see it posted outside the drama room door and you see your name and it's a big, exciting day. And then I heard rumors throughout the school that I only made the team because they needed more female representation. And so this... Who said this? So what happened was I quit the team. And before I even had a practice. What? And, And I said, I'm not coming. And then the first two practices went by. I didn't show up. And this was like me, I told my parents, I'm not actually doing the improv team anymore. And that, and that could have been the end of me ever being involved in CIG, had not a brilliant drama teacher at my school, um, pulled me out of, of a social studies class in the middle of class, brought me into the hallway and said, why haven't you been coming improv? And I said, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to do it. You know, I don't know if you really, I don't know if you really want me here, if it's because I have any talent or if it's because you just need me here. And she said, like, You're, you made this team not because of any sort of gender parity we were looking for. You, you made this because we, you're talented and you bring a voice to this that is important and that we recognize that you would be an important and valuable addition to this space. And we, we absolutely need to have you there. And I cried my way through the rest of social studies class and then kept going to improv uh, after that, and then 12 years have gone by now. <laughs> wow. First of all, what Holy an awareness doodle. as a grade 10 to be like, I make, this is like what is right, and then to be like, you, like to kind of call someone on that is amazing. <laughs> well, I think, and that's the thing, a lot of people come to CIG, and maybe a lot of people who are listening to this who are interested in CIG, like, I think it's a confidence booster, but I think also think it brings in a lot of people with, with low self-esteem to start, and that was certainly me. Right. And and that moment was was me like getting shot in the self esteem and and that was one of many interjections in my life through CIG of someone patting me on the back showing gentleness and support and like pushing you up to the front of the stage. Wow. Haley, I remember going to nationals my first time it was my first year and you were there as well and we were in a workshop together and I remember just being like ah oh, she's too good I shouldn't be in this workshop that was a legit <laughs> thing I was scared of you there this <laughs> yeah. is your first year volunteering about it's my first year as a player and that like, happened to me too so player. in grade 11 it all comes back to Haley Guess let's no, be honest I was probably it's, scared it's always, of all of you <laughs> <laughs> when I was in grade 11 I came and you did what's in the box with Peter McGregor and yeah. it was Haley from Halifax and Peter from Ottawa and I was like these people are incredible and then the next year in grade 12 I had a workshop with you and I was like it's Haley from Halifax like oh I knew gosh. who you were you know what's so interesting that year and 
that I did what's in the box, I went home every night thinking, wow, you're so not funny. No one likes you. No one, you know, don't ever do what's in the box again ever oh gosh, in your life. Really? And this is doesn't, but it's just interesting to think about that perspective of like, improvisation is making yourself so vulnerable and CIG is a space that like, even though I had those thoughts every night or whatever, um, they, there's a reaffirmation of like your, your value every day in this community. And it's very interesting to think about, uh, being a player and seeing people and like what it is about these people. And maybe it's just because you see yourself in them or you see kind of your future in them to be like, these people are, I often refer to any volunteer that I saw when I was a player as the pantheon. I was like, this is just this pantheon of, it's like Katie Bowes and Chris, you know, these people that like, uh, that I saw that were regional directors or festival directors or whatever at, at nationals or, or regionals that I was like, these are the gods and I must please them. I literally would see the, like, again, the volunteers as like phoenixes. Like when you like, when you graduate high school, you like, you know, become ashes, and then you rise as this incredible superhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Just... well, for sure. Yeah. Because there were people that I played with in grade uh, 11, and when I was in grade 12, they were volunteers, and I was like, <gasps> they are phoenixes now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I find that really interesting, because I, I have a unique experience of that I played I played once in the games. Right. Played once, and then moved to a different city and started volunteering. So I had no, no idea who anyone was, uh, and until yesterday, when we did the alumni show, uh, the second time I ever just did the CIG events. Oh, right. Yeah, the second time I've ever done the That's CIG events. Bonkers. Uh, was oh. the, that alumni show. He killed it, uh, by the way. Yeah, yeah uh, besides the point. <laughs> um, God, I didn't have that experience uh, to back it up, but I, I uh, to, to, from the player's perspective, mm -hmm. uh, in the game, to so, like, be sitting on the sidelines or to be like like in a scene and like, you only got four minutes. and like that. It's such an intense... Thing that I think that it that like you can forget about when you're just there to make the games run rather than to play them, right? Uh, yeah. And there's so much like I the, the next time I volunteer, it's going to be a entirely different experience because I I don't like I've, I've reinvigorated that like this is what this is actually like I know what it's about and I like I, I love what the values of that would come with the games, but like the experience, the actual like the mental and physical experience yeah. these players are going through. Is is such uh, like it's? It's a nice reminder. Artistic yeah. dynamite. Yeah. You know? like, oh it's my amazing gosh! To see artistic that. dynamite. Yeah. That is what is going through everyone's heads. <laughs> I do think like it would be worthwhile to have like judges do the improv events like yeah. before yeah. each year. We were we were saying that we, we we should just do it every year. I think the alumni event should just every year. Why not? Like exactly, it, it brings so much joy. And if you did it at the beginning of the tournament yeah. every year, so mm -hmm. that teams who are coming down can have like see that yep. and then go into their night of play. It also keeps you sharp, you know. Keeps yeah. you sharp. Also, if you know if you know how, how you're gonna deal with it, then you know how to tell uh, teach other people to. Yeah. Also handle yep. the, the uh, exactly, yeah, and I, I think it's also just a, a nice little reminder because we're human, and sometimes when you kick it off that way, it, it, it's just like, yeah, this is what it. This is why we do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like get that rush of performing like we had last night, even though it meant literally nothing. <laughs> you know? It meant everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that, that that rush, right? Like that's <laughs> the, the art of playing or whatever it is, right? Just getting that is so much uh, of it. So when you feel that again, feeling that rush, you're like, oh yeah, I could totally give up an hour a week, you know, mm -hmm. to make sure a kid is like, yeah, I'm a dragon on stage and I'm a rock star, right? Like, it's... And also I think, like, the number... One of the number one things we've gotten from people that have done these alumni shows is they go like, oh, I forgot how crazy hard it is. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that 14 to 17-year-olds do it With seamlessly... Ease. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that that's a really big learning opportunity for alumni and, and maybe even people that are alumni that only played for a little bit yeah. or have been volunteering for a long enough time that they forget how it goes. And I would mm-hmm. even add coaches. So yeah. like now being a coach, having right. been a player, judge, referee, RD, all these roles that are really within the games. Now that I'm a coach who coaches a team, um, I recognize and working with other coaches and chatting with other coaches who are high school drama teachers who have taken this on for free on right. top of their job in the evenings and weekends um, getting their kids babysat so that they can go to CIG events. Yeah. Um, like, anyway, thinking about the amount of energy and love that coaches pour into this, mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to say that because it's so important. And I think it would be cool to have coaches yeah. uh, who maybe have never played CIG yeah. get a chance to do some of the events too because mm-hmm. they're coaching their kids. I think it's kind of surprising actually how many people... The games are ultimately like exist because students are performing them. Every student is taught by a coach, and I would probably think the majority of coaches have not done CIG. So it's really interesting to think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it would be fun to have coaches participate more in doing improv, and I wonder if that's something that CIG should invest in in the next Mm -hmm. couple of years, is thinking about how to get coaches doing it. I think the thing too with improv specifically is that there's such a the ability to self teach in a lot of ways in that isn't the same uh, for a lot of other things like I can maybe self teach myself piano and uh, something like that but I I can't go out and become like a rugby star overnight because uh, I don't know what it's like to get hit in the mouth uh, you know like as weird as it is but I think there's something about just because it's it's so primal or whatever it is, like you know good improv is when people are out there agreeing with each other having fun and those are necessarily like if you just become a better person you'll kind of inherently become a better improviser uh, and I think it's it's when the coaches kind of get to play more then it becomes a lot easier for coaches to instill uh, a sense of, you know, learning in their players in the sense that, like, I'm not here to just say, like, okay, you're going to flock, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, but instead get the the sense of, like, wow, this is so fun. Think about it, you know, think about it when you're not doing it. Have yeah. fun. What, what does it mean to you? And those kind of things uh, that you grow outside. And, and having the coach be a part of it, like you're saying, instills that kind of, like, oh, my God, it's it's so cool. It is such an impactful thing, having done it, how can I get my students to uh, embrace it uh, fully? It becomes less instructional and more experiential. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, like such a give and take, I find, as opposed to another thing where it's maybe like, do these seven things on the board, like run these so many laps to Mm -hmm. be better at this. It's like, work these muscles, and that's... I even, for me and myself, like, it got to a point where it's like, okay, I haven't really been active playing for... Two years. When does my qualifications run out? Like, how long is it before that I am no longer relevant in this art form that's always changing? So having practice and play, I think, will really keep things fresh because I know I myself was like, wow, you know, yes, I've done all this training. Yes, I have all this and I know all this, but I haven't been actively like, you know, just like if I was a runner, hey, you know, I can run 10K in two hours. Like, that's insane. But I haven't run in 10 years. Right, exactly, yeah. (laughs) So like, that doesn't mean anything. It's like researching your... First aid almost. Yeah. Like that you're yeah. like, there's new stuff that's happening. I know kind of the basics, but like to sort of get yourself back into that instead. Cause you, 
I think even instructors who teach first aid have to take the yeah. course themselves yeah. like every yeah. five years or so. <laughs> My coach, uh, when I was growing up, um, recently just started taking classes with The Making Box, which is a company Ooh. in Guelph. And I've known her my whole, like, adult life because I, I, I met her when I was in grade 11 and uh, or grade 10. And she coached me. And then just this year she started taking classes with a company. And the company that my friend Jay runs, this is all name dropping for Guelph, uh, they're they're not CIG based, right? They're just they're just improv classes, um, uh, and so. But she has given feedback to to us. It helps that she's like it just changes the way you think about improv. Um, if you've been looking at it through the CIG it, yeah. lens for so long that it's sometimes easy to. She tried long form, and she was like, "Oh, this changed my whole life." Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I think that sometimes if you learn improv in CIG and then only ever do CIG, it can it can become a little insulating where you don't think so much about improv skills, but you think about the events and you and mm-hmm. ultimately CIG was initiated to. The reason there are these five events is because, and the skills that are selected on the judging sheet is meant to give a foundational basis for improvisation in general. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to get lost in the world of of the CIG terminology if you don't step back and recognize that it's really meant to be a launch pad to right. learn improvisation. Mm-hmm. I think it, for for me at least with my experience, that's interesting because. I felt like we went in with a lot of these tools sharpened already and no idea about CIG. And and for me, thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I, I the whole time I was never thinking about the CIG. I was thinking about, like, what can I do after, you know? Like, how can I continue to do this? Every workshop I ever took was long-form games. Right. Like, I never took, uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I ever took at Nationals a workshop that was, like, character or style or anything like that. Uh, it was always, like, something for after. For me, I was like, oh, cool, improv is this, like, f- you know, forever thing, right? Like, it, it is uh, a greater outside of the Canadian improv game. So having that experience and understanding, like, oh, yeah, there's uh, what's a there's more than one way to skin a cat. Is that the gross way to say it? That is the gross <laughs> way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty gross. Yeah, but, but, but uh, knowing that it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be through this lens, you know, like, as these kids are exploring and, and these students are learning a lot of different ways, and how can they come in and, and kind of uh, bring that view back into the Canadian improv games? Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the skills that we talk about uh, obviously translate out into the world um, outside of improv. And I think a a, a big thing that I've been trying to talk about more is that when we talk about improv alumni, we often talk about like this person who's doing something in the entertainment industry, right? Because it's fun to drop whatever Seth Rogen's name to be like, he did the Canadian improv games. But I also, 40 years of Canadian improv, which is maybe leading us into our next question here is, uh, is so much more important than just entertainment. What does 40 years of improv mean for Canada? Oh, I think it means 40 years of really amazing humans being cycled into society. Um, And they're just like freaking out humans with kindness and listening and amazing qualities and team building. And there are probably a lot of really good CEOs or just not even like anything even with... I say with this with like quotations like of importance. Right. Just in my day to day work, I have a very boring job. I work um, as like a bookkeeper, and often people I work with are all like you know math humans, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we're boring, and a lot of them very like oh this is the solution, this is where we need to get to, and just having 
improv and being like, oh, well, we can also come at it this way. Or people will get kind of like tied up and right. like, oh, no, something's going wrong. Why can't we figure this out? Why can't we make this equal zero at the end of the month? It's like, oh, it's fine. Here, there's a it's thousand anyway. variables that exactly. could have happened. Right. And just having, you know, it's okay when things go wrong. Like having that mentality of 40 years of people being okay with, with some type of failure and finding ways to get out of their failure or make the best of the failures and laugh through them. When I think about like the 40 years of CIG, I imagine like a beautiful fractal geometry map of mm-hmm. the, this, the, the butterfly effect of all the people who have gone through it and the people who they've influenced through their sphere of values and so on outwards um and the amazing things that we they're happening every day because of cig that we don't even know yeah exactly Mm -hmm. i I think if you like you know if we look at the canadian improv games uh as like an organization and what its goal is its goal is to to yeah create improvisers but also to create empathetic and and, uh, uh smart confident uh, students and, and if you have an organization that for 40 years it, it, its whole purpose is going out there and, and supporting students and, and supporting in whatever way right like it, it just oh you you like rockets cool you're the equestrian come on in you know there's a place for everyone yeah. I, and I think we all talk about that we I like to think and certainly there's always room to grow in that regard but I've rarely met a thing like the Canadian improv games that everyone is welcome and if your mission statement is to support everyone because everyone is welcome then you have that butterfly that effect that ripple effect of people coming out into the workplace into the real world that just want to support you, that just want to be there for you. And and those are the people that, when we have our bad days or whatever, we rely on. And having more of those people in in our everyday lives uh, has got to be a good thing. (laughs) What I love so much about what you said, Liam, is like... There's been so many times when I've heard, like, be like, oh, Steph, you should, like, be a man and just tell them what you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. I can also, like, ask them politely and find a common solution that we're both happy with in this situation. So what you were saying is, like, finding, like, empathy and compat Like, these are traits that, I'm getting on a feminist rant here, that are inherently, like, womanly. Mm-hmm. Um, which are good for the world. It's not a woman trait to have empathy. It's just a really nice human trait yeah, to have person. empathy yeah. Yeah. and listening. And like these traits are like should be valued higher mm-hmm. than they're put on in the workplace right now. So I think there's 40 years of really amazing people mm-hmm. like helping. 40 years of breaking down toxic masculinity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think of myself, like, I came from, like, the the world of toxic masculinity. I, I came from the guys <laughs> slapping you on the butt, pushing you around and being like, what is it? Like, wh- where are we? What's going on? Why are you doing this? You know, it's bizarre. But then you come into the Canadian Improv Games and, like, this one quote, I think it was Chris Ramlin. Uh, it was, like, what makes a good leader? And he said... Uh, I believe a good leader, you know, knows when to lead and when to follow. And I was like, whoa, I've never heard that. Because for me, in this toxic masculine environment, a good leader is the guy that just did it, you know, and like didn't say anything, just sucked it up and did it. And I was like, no, sometimes the good leader is, you know, the guy that goes up and goes like hell of a play, you know, hell hell of a scene, like, wow. And the good leader is the person that comes to support. And I, I think you're very uh, right in the sense that those are traits that are not necessarily uh, out there in uh, the masculine world. 
I I often talk about how my the demographic that I can't make laugh is like real bros because I am the kind of person that they probably would have picked on in high school, um, and I'm like confidently out there in the world as a human being and so there's a lot I am met with a lot of like we why aren't why didn't someone squash you <laughs> um, um, Henry you've been wanting to talk for a while yeah Let's let you talk. Uh, I think that the, especially because uh, when you think about like a Canadian person usually like the general stereotype is oh they're super polite and they're super nice and the, the to the to the most basic sense of that I, I imagine like you bump into someone you both say oh sorry in unison and we'll go about your days but I think with um, with the 40 years of Canadian improv games, to, to add to that uh, idea of what it means to be Canadian, um, the, the ability to connect, I think, is a lot stronger when it comes to improvisers. Uh, or, and and to, to, to the skills you get from improv, I should say. Uh, the, the, uh, the empathy and the compassion. You, like, I, I was, uh, there was a lady today at Super, uh, Sobeys, this, the grocery store. So she, this lady who was working for Sobeys, uh, I was running to my groceries, and then the power went out for some reason. And then like, some, like, the power in the whole grocery store went out. And she immediately was very stressed, and she was like, oh my gosh, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And then someone said, I think we have to run the barcodes in. And then someone said, there's a crane, it knocked the power out. And like, suddenly information was being yelled between the cash registers, and they were all freaking out. And there's this, like, this moment of, uh, it's okay, I can wait, take as long as, long as you need. Um, and she's like, I don't know if I have that much time. I was like, great. Uh, and then someone runs in, like, you got 20 minutes, you got to punch him in number by number. And it was this insane, like... Like, what was happening change. in 20 minutes? The whole, the whole system would shut down because oh, they the only generator had backup power. power? Oh. Yeah, they had a backup power thing. It was this insane <laughs> scene and everyone was like starting to lose their minds a little bit. Like, how do we do? What do we, how do we fix this? And I just said, I don't need to buy my bananas. Just just punch the numbers in and we'll be fine. She's like, we're going to be fine. Yeah, it's like, great. All you need to do is this. And she's like, I'm here. Let's do this. And like we had this connected, like this just little moment. I'm never going to see her again. If I see her again, I'm not going to remember. She'd be a frequent shopper at that one. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll be like, hey, you're the no bananas guy. That's my name now. <laughs> Uh, no, but, like, there was this moment of like she was freaking out and we just had like that let's just take a second and like breathe in this in and then like what's what are we gonna do it's like we're just gonna punch these numbers in and then you're gonna leave like yeah and then, like, we had like it's, my, it's it. like you're able to like hey uh, it's okay we're all like don't stress about this we're gonna get through it together and there's that connecting with people that you've never met before I, I think uh, building on kind of the sorry idea uh, one thing I learned as well is uh, say thank you instead of sorry uh, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we think we're like a, a, a burden on people. So it's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, you, you have a bad day. You call someone. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm how. Oh. Um, but you know, there is the idea that uh, like a lot of times we think we're burdening people when we are like, hey, here, I had a bad day. Uh, but I think uh, like at least now, if I if I'm talking to friends, sometimes I'll be like, hey, thanks for listening. You know, yeah. Right, thank yeah. thank you for you know just listening, hearing me out. Uh, it's like seeing positivity instead of negativity yeah. in it, right? Because yeah. it makes the other person 100%. feel way better. Like if you know, if you're calling someone, you go like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." The person's like, "No, it's fine, it's fine." It's like, "Stop, no, don't worry." Like you know, they're trying to console you, but if you're like, "Thank you," they're like, "Hey, no problem at all." It's true. When I'm late now, instead of saying like, uh, "Sorry, I was late," and excusing, I just go, "Thank you for your patience." I think not only has it been great for anyone who's involved in the games. I feel like it's been great for anyone who's been in contact with someone who's been involved with the games. Because mm -hmm. um, it is infectious. Uh, positivity is infectious. Uh, commiseration is infectious. And uh, the fact that we've been training young people uh, and catching them at a nice young age to know that commiseration is poison and why don't we connect 
Um, I think one of my favorite things that have that I've learned from the games uh, comes from Alistair Cook and how he uh, intros working staff at Improv Camp is uh, turning any kind of negative because you're bound to have the one kid who's you know doesn't like grass because it itches or you know I'm very pale I don't want to be in the sun all day um, you don't have to you get to you get to do these things um, there's no have to uh, just putting a positive spin on everything helps anyone get through the day really um, and sometimes it's easier said than done but also this beautiful network of other peoples that you can call upon and you can share this with each other and you you also become more confident in asking for help too reaching out to more people because you built that confidence by being ridiculous on stage in front of people <laughs> that hey wait a minute i can be real and know what i'm talking about these are you know my thoughts my feelings why can't i share those um, and that's why also the life event is very important. It's showing a sincere moment. It's not the tragic event. It's just watch me be real. But aren't we all improvising all the time? <laughs> I, I often think about the life event. I think it's, um, sometimes you see life events where it's not a great improv scene. At the end you go like, sorry, like it just, just the way the points work. <clears throat> but I always watch life events and go like, that is just something that that teenager needed to say in front of a group of people and for the group of people to go, yeah, yes. and scream, like, I, well, bring it back to, I guess, my team, just because that's easier than naming other scenes I've seen, is that, like, sometimes you just need someone to play your mom and for you to yell at your mom for four minutes, because you can't do it in real life, but you can do it there and have a whole audience support 100% that you, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Brittany Brooks, my dear, dear friend, who I don't think is listening to this, but if she is, hi. She had she did a scene once, I think maybe at Nationals, where someone played her mom, and she just had to be like, I'm going to art school, and I don't care what you think. And she probably had to have that real conversation later, but it gave her an opportunity for a, a an She, like, audience. test drove the conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and had an audience go, like, we support 100% with this. Yeah. Right. And even if the points or whatever didn't, it was, like, an important thing for her as a human to have mm. to be able to say. It's also, like, a little taste of, like, hey, how did that feel reacting that way? Yeah. Um, you know, if I was to replay that scene again, would I react that same way? Would I be more calm about it? How should I approach this similar situation next time? How did that feel acting that way? Because one of my favorite things in terms of like intensity and emotions and learning was Justin having said, okay, being mad on stage is the most boring thing to watch. Being angry is not an emotion. Why are you angry? You're angry because you're sad. You're angry because you're embarrassed. You're angry because someone hurt you. Be hurt, be embarrassed, be unco- be that other thing because that's more relatable than you just being angry and yelling. Yeah, which I think is a great lesson. For which is life. a great in life. Yeah, that's like totally. I'm like, no, I I'm annoyed. Um, cool. <laughs> we're running, we're running so long because we this has been like the loveliest conversation. Mm-hmm. But we have two more questions. It's our standard enders. You are walking down the street, or you're in front of the NAC, or there's a, a show about to start, and someone's walking by you, and you have to. They've never seen improv before. They've never seen the Canadian improv games. The night of play's about to start. What do you say to that person to get them to come in and watch this? This, like, weird thing. 
hey, you want to watch something that's going to make you feel so good and change your life forever? Not knowing a single person. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would probably run up and be like, hey, do you want to just come watch a thousand teenagers get stoked on every little thing? Like, do you want to go see uh, uh, someone make a thousand dollars for a pile of garbage? Uh, you know, like, it, what is what's in the box? But a bunch of, like, things like, yeah, this is pretty funny, and everyone being like, yeah, I love it because I love it. Hey, are you interested in seeing a magic trick? How about a magic trick about emotions? Get on in here. Heather, <laughs> I was going to say magic. I was going to, like, mine's a 50-50 tie between come see something more magical than Penn and Teller, mm. or this is better than puppies and kittens cuddling YouTube video. Like, do you want to feel the biggest lump in your throat? <laughs> like, this That's is benign. this is this is this is finals when emotions are the most. Right. Do you want to cry for people you don't know? Happy cry for people you don't know. Okay, close your eyes. You're back at with the last night of improv you ever did at a CIG player on a school team, and it's before the last performance you do. What would you say? to that person, to calm them, or to maybe encourage them before they went out on to this last thing. What would you wish someone would have told you then? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say, you are about to go out there and have the most glorious fail of your whole life, and you will learn so much from it, and you will learn that failing is a part of life, and it's the best part of life, because that's where how you learn. You're gonna go out there and fail and still have the best night and still feel supported and still feel like you killed it because it's not about going out and succeeding or failing. I think it's about going out and doing it. Uh, I, I just remember thinking in our scene, we could do a scene that we thought would score well or we could do the scene that we thought would be fun uh, and we did the scene that we thought would be fun, and I don't regret it at all. And I remember in that huddle, uh, we said fruit flies, uh, which was the joke uh, John O'Toole one time to all of us wrote, you guys, and then to someone else wrote, you guys, but with a Z, and then the next one after said fruit flies. Uh, so now whenever you, someone does something nice, you go like, oh, fruit flies. <laughs> uh, so right before, it was just this moment of like, it, it was a, a 15 seconds. It was no longer. I feel like it lasted 40 minutes because I can vividly remember it. But it was just everyone like, fruit flies. Like, this is it. Let's do it. Let's just have one last go. Let's have fun and, and, and experience it. And I think it, it, it stuck with me. So You'd say fruit flies? Fruit flies. <laughs> um, I think... I would say just have fun. I remember having a lot of fun, but I also remember being really nervous. So I would probably just be like, yo, girl, it's cool, and maybe give myself a fudgesicle. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I would say something and just get myself a good snack. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I'd probably just tell myself to do it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, was, I think I was thinking too much about the other players and wanting them to go and see nationals or you know whatever that next step was I really wanted it for everybody else I didn't want to let anybody else down oh and also like part two of that is don't break open your appendix stitches is that what happened ouch yeah oh my gosh did you bleed on stage what's the life event no uh, like, <laughs> it just like it just it swelled up real big and I had to get it drained cool um, we've been doing this which is and scene.